Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm Al MVP Gore. Oh, yeah. And we're here with Lance holding the calm psycho, which he did yesterday. Very proud of him. Good job. You did great. Tried. I tried. You did. I felt like I, I felt like I didn't, but I'm glad. That's why I asked. I wanted your fresh perspective this morning because Al's, Al's real middle name is Al Peacemaker Gore. Yep. 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 So we, it was just a meeting with, with, with staff and um, sometimes you can have hard conversations. That's fine because you need to root down to hard issues and get real results. And you held the calm. Yeah. Uh, it's a book that Lance, I downloaded it. I didn't read it yet. But uh, Hesha Abrams. Hesha yeah. Abrams. Uh, check it out. Seriously. So good. She was on the show uh, last year. At the end of last year. Phenomenal book. Hesha Abrams. Go check it out. So uh, before we get into that, let's uh, pay the bills. And we're going to pay the bills by telling you about uh, buildabetterco.com. Buildabetterco.com for build a better company. Just to let you know, I was going to have build a better business, but it was already taken, so I couldn't do it. I wanted the alliteration, so I had to pivot. Anyways, uh, <laughs> still bothers me. Still bothers me a little bit. It should bother you because now the newest book I'm reading is gonna it, that you're going to read too is uh, Brain Glue, and that's chapter one, uh, the importance of alliterations in marketing. That's the next one. That's what I was going to tell I you. I think what it's going to do is it's going to give you, Al, confidence that it's okay to switch like it's got dude this might in my but it's already taken you mean switch if i find you'll something figure else it out. you'll figure it out you'll yep. figure it out um in other news yep. when, when is the next time you're going back to fargo two weeks two weeks okay remember to bring the hok book with you i do okay i just didn't read it last time that's fine i think we might talk about it one of the biggest lessons i think the overall theme will be was holy cow these guys screwed up a lot, and they're still successful. That's cool. It's HOK for God's sakes. It's HOK, and then and then also like, oh, this is a this is a smart move. We are basically doing that, or let's do it a little bit refined, a little bit more. Just very excited about that. But go to buildabetterco.com where you can improve your firm, improve your profit, improve your sanity, improve the smoothness at your firm. Runs.com. Watch our five shifts, five shifts to increase your profit. Reach out to me at akg at f9productions.com. Back to me, Mr. MVP. You need to go to rcat.com. You need to look at this awesome Tumblr I have from rcat.com because if you can't find the product data you're looking for, you might be using the wrong search engine. Broad searches result in consumer pro products, out-of-date information, and websites that hide or don't have the information you're looking for. You don't want that. If you need specifications, CAD, or BIM, Arcat.com is your search engine. Find and download the up-to-date data you need fast. Arcat.com is free and requires no registration. So try Arcat today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Al Gore, back to you. Okay, we're going to talk about the housing look uh, uh, outlook, and we're going to talk about the Fed because I think if you're running a firm or being in a firm, you should know that basically there's still this kind of crunch in money and how long that's going to go because if you set your expectation right, you won't be so disappointed and it relates to I love it building a project right let's say 
let's say you're going to get a project done building construction wise, because that's kind of the hardest, most stressful thing in a month, right? That last month is going to be absolutely crazy, right? And you might not have the finances, the people in place if it actually takes two months, right? Mm -hmm. So setting your expectations that this might take two months makes your project go smoother, makes you uh, able to ride out those those swings a little bit better um, and, and, and not make you do dumb things like laying off staff when you don't need to. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the stock market, you probably noticed uh, before Christmas, it, it just, it was just booming, right? Bitcoin was booming. Everything was booming. Now I know. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. Everything was going great. And then around like the 6th of January, it basically flatlined, went down a little bit. And one of the reasons why was the um, inflation numbers came out. Okay. And it went from like 3.2 to 3.4. Uh-huh. And that dampened all the bigwigs' expectations of a rate cut in March. So when, if inflation is staying the same or going up, 0.2% isn't a lot. They basically said, we're not going to get a rate cut in March. And it because that rate cut in March would have psychologically have done what you were predicting. Like everyone's like, yeah. oh, yep. We've turned. Everything's going back down. Nice. Blah, blah, blah. That's what we want. So a lot of people are now predicting that it might be, uh, it won't be March, but it might be until June, uh-huh. July. So that's what I'm saying is that, hey, things might continue to be sort of sticky. Uh, developers not wanting to pull the trigger, uh, consumers not wanting to get big loans because uh, looking ahead, inflation is still hovering around that, isn't going down, and it's not going to maybe turn a rate cut until June, until the summer. The Fed did at their last meeting last year indicated in their report notes that they are expecting to have three interest rates cuts this year. Yeah. So that's a quarter point, a quarter point, and a quarter point. Let's just say June, let's say October, uh, and then, you know, let's say November, December, something like that. That's what the, the market is predicting right now instead of like a March, a June, and an October. So it's just kind of delaying that, kind of like how projects get delayed, all that. Yeah. It's uh yeah I mean I I think it's um I'm not even sure we talked about inflation so much so this is probably the first episode of the year where we're where we're starting to talk about it in that kind of way I I just want to give everybody a on the ground kind of perspective of what's going on and what I'm seeing as far as inquiries are yep. going actually had quite a bit of inquiries yesterday had three three in one day and it seems to come in these sort of big ebb and flows I would say on av- I would say everything is still trending sort of a Choppy on average. It seems like it's uh, average, I would say, is about three a week for me, about three, two or three for you. Yep. And that's kind of where you're at. And then what's your what's your capture rate? It should be under 50 percent if you're if you're charging the right fees, technically. Right? Yep. Uh, you're not charging the right fees if you're if you're over 50 percent. I don't think you're charging too little. Like you're winning too much <clears throat> in that kind of way. So. Uh, and but the big developers and and the ones we had proposals out. I had proposed I had proposals out to a developer in town, and they said nope, we're not doing it because of the interest rates. These are still sort of shaky. 
the one by downtown yeah so i think i think it's exactly like it's got to be there's we just need we just need a little bit of a cut we just need a psychological shift that's really i think and so it gets the economy basically what the economy needs to do is it needs to get into a flow state yeah and, is and what i'm saying i shouldn't say a whole point i think it's it's a quarter point like yeah, those, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, quarter yeah. point. That's so all we quarter need. point, quarter point, quarter point. That's what they indicated, not three points off. Yeah, just to be clear. Yeah, but I wish they would do like what you're saying, like, hey, we're gonna do an eighth point. You know, they won't because they're afraid I of. I actually yeah. don't care. A tenth of a point would be fine. Yeah, I just think that would put people in the flow state. Yeah, and and they would get that going for themselves. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, housing outlook. Yeah. So that being said. With anticipation of the rates not going any higher, housing confidence has jumped to its higher highest level in 20 months, which gives perspective. This has been going on for about, you know, like 20 months now. Americans haven't felt this optimistic about the housing market in 20 months, a new survey survey found. But still high uh, home prices may threaten to blunt that re-emerging confidence. So... Fannie Mae's gauge of housing sentiments jumped 2.9 points in December uh, to 67.2. It's highest level since April 2002. So, yep. Basically, uh, here's a quote. Even if rates fall further, we continue to believe that affordability will be tempered in part by elevated home price, especially for first-time home buyers. Mark uh, Palma? Vice President and Deputy Chief Economist of Fannie Mae said in a statement. So if you look at the graph here, which if you're watching online, basically there is a blue line, which is a net uh, percent of people saying it's a good time to sell. It basically crossed over in 2015 and has been uh, what people thought a good time to sell the whole time besides obviously that COVID, you know, a couple months in the summer there. Um, and then people who saying net, it's a good time to buy. That has Seller's been... Seller's market, eh? Hmm. Yep. Uh, I don't know about that. But I... Okay. Because... Sentiment is important, but we're on this sentiment. We're on this uh, psychological... Are we getting into a flow state? Yep. Yep. And, too, it, it, it's kind of crazy <sighs> because um, a lot of the like first-time home buyers are now transitioning, at least in our area, is to townhomes because they're 1,800 square feet. You aren't seeing 1,800 square feet or lower out in the suburbs being built new. Yeah. And what's crazy is we always compare 1950s to now, right? And, and oh, a house only cost 12000 then. You know, weird that that's our, uh, it's weird that that's our sort of uh, barometer, like our, our, our golden, our North Star. It's our North Star. The 1950s is our North Star. Yep. Yep. So uh, do you know the uh, average size of a square foot house in the 1950s compared to now? It was uh, 1,200. Uh, it was about nine. It was nine to 1,100. Oh, okay. So let's just say 1,000. Okay. Yep. What's it oh. now? What's the average now? Yeah. I thought it was uh, 24. Uh, I, I think 25 to 26. But anyways. Hey, we'll just, Lance is close. We'll say 25. Sure. It would be interesting if a home buyer decided to make... A whole, I've never seen a whole suburbs because that's how they do it now. You know, you buy the whole suburbs. That way you get the cost savings and the grading and, and, and all that with thousand square foot houses, hmm. thousand square foot houses. Yeah. I wonder what that would do. Me too. To prices. And I wonder if you could factor in, if you made the, 
This would be anti-affordable. But if you made the roof trusses first like a floor box and then just like stick built the on top of it yep. so you could rip off and add on, on later if you wanted to. Anyways, uh, just a thought about home affordability. Know that we're also building bigger houses as well. Yeah, what do you got for uh, this demand? Is that different? Yep. So KB Homes, which is big home builder, demand says demand nice. has improved significantly as rates moderate. So home builder KP, uh, KB Home signaled in its quarterly earnings report a significant improvement in home buyer demand as mortgage rates have moderated, pointing to a strong start for 2024 for the U.S. Ho uh, housing market. As interest rates have now declined since the end of our fiscal year, demand has improved significantly, he said. Um, so let's look at the rates. Here we go. Mortgage rates decreased to lowest levels since, <laughs> since May of 2023. That's not long ago. So if we look, going back all the way to the year 2000, wow, the year 8.3. 8.5 we weren't 2000. even thinking about homes you know we weren't even thinking about this stuff back in 2000 yep. there was i remember the recession in 2001 went to 7.9 yep. the recession in 2008 i i want people to guess if you aren't watching what do you think housing rates were at uh 6.35 huh. then they slowly slowly kept going down yep you know, 2016, 3%. I'm in that pump. Went back up mm -hmm. all the way down to COVID, about 2.72. Uh, I think I refinanced at like 2.85. Mm -hmm. And now we're at 6.6. .6. So we are right at 2008 levels. Hmm. And and it went, the peak was about 7.8, let's say, to 6.8, let's say. And then if you do a quarter rate down... But the, yeah, yeah. And, and the title of this the title of this one was uh, KB Homes says housing demand has improved significantly. Yeah, you wonder. So you wonder too, like like uh, uh, basically things get priced in after a while. Sometimes it takes the market and, the, mm -hmm. and people to just factor in the pricing, and eventually they get there and they you know you you've adjusted your spending. All that kind of good stuff. Like there's there is super positive things going on. Uh, gas prices have leveled out, yep. and, and and they're reasonable now. Like it's doesn't kill me to fill up the suburban or Al's truck or whatever. Uh, see the gas bills from the different companies coming in and stuff like that. That that's all that's all good and grand. Windows. Yep. I'm ordering windows as a builder right now. It's like uh, one. It's like uh, January 19th is recording this 2024. Six weeks. Only six weeks out now. Wow. You know, so so like things are hey, it's getting a little better. It's getting a little better. It seems this this seems navigable. Like like we're not seeing some kind of giant catastrophe, right? Yeah. Um and we we are going to skip ARE Jeopardy today. So we have a couple minutes. There's one topic I'm glad I want to try to get into here that I'm going to that I'm going to do real quick. Sure. And that is so I read this book over the uh, the break. I think I talked about it on the first show of the year. <clears throat> and it's called uh Drive and what it what it does is it's it it's focusing on if you run a business like like we do right the service based businesses your your staff is everything it's it's not your products like if you were if you were doing products if you're doing products then your machines are probably everything and your staff maybe isn't everything to make everything run right so i'm on this if you've heard you've heard me say this multiple times now like flow state flow state flow state i'm on this flow state kick because i it's so it's such a beautiful way of describing 
honestly, it's sort of like meditating in real life because you're just present. Like you're, if you're so present at the task you're doing that you love, you, it, you're in a flow state because then by the, if you, it's sort of it's the idea that like I got to work, I was doing what I wanted to all day. Maybe my distractions were also minimized that day. And my environment was putting me in this place where then I looked up at 5 p.m. and went, where did the day go? And I still got a ton of stuff done. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect flow state, right? So one thing thing you have to set up in order for people to be able to get into that place is they have to be able to work autonomously. So I want to focus in on, I've got an article pulled up here. It's called The Nine Benefits of Autonomy in the Workplace. Okay. Number one is uh, supercharged motivation. Uh, Autonomy is like a magic potion for employee motivation. When employees are free to make decisions or take ownership of their work, extreme ownership, Al, their motivation skyrockets. They become become driven by a sense of purpose and desire to excel, say goodbye to those dreary Monday mornings, and hello to a work face brimming with passion and enthusiasm. Again, remember, this is on the heels of like, like, how do you, we keep talking about this. This is literally perfect. The I, I didn't even notice this. The website is called con- culturemonkey.io. Oh, right? We keep talking about this like, oh, I want this culture in my business. Well, you got to, you got to, there's this part of it that's a huge part of it, right? Number two, especially for us designers, right? It gives the people unleashed creativity. So creativity is one of the top perks of autonomy when individuals have the freedom to explore, experiment, and unleash their imaginations. Fresh ideas flow and creative breakthroughs become the norm. Who needs a creativity workshop when you've got autonomy fueling the fire? Three, trust and empowerment, and it builds trust between employees and managers when individuals are trusted to make decisions and take responsibility. They feel empowered. Managers become mentors. That's what I like. That's I think that's one of my favorite parts because then, and we've experienced this multiple times, especially with some senior staff in the last maybe two or three years, where they'll come to us and go, do you have any advice? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this feels like a mentorship mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? Uh, number four, enhanced collaboration. Autonomy and collaboration go hand in hand when employees have the freedom to bring their unique perspectives to the table. Teamwork soars. Ideas are shared and diverse talents are harnessed and synergy becomes the secret sauce that propels organizations forward. It's like a jam session where everybody gets a chance to sign. Ah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that, Culture Monkey. I'm not, we're not into jam band stuff. <laughs> number, <laughs> number five, increased job satisf- satisfaction. Employees who are given control over how they manage their work are more satisfied with their job. When an employee feels trusted, respected, and in control of their work, they find joy in what they do. Number six, personal and professional growth. Autonomy is a springboard for growth. When employees learn to take on new challenges and shape their own career paths, they blossom. They acquire new skills, expand their horizons, become the best selves. Seven, agility and adaptability. When employees make decisions on the spot, they become nimble and adaptable. Very important to be nimble, especially in this environment, right? We're like, hey, business isn't that great. It's not that bad. What if it gets worse? How much more important is it for everybody to be nimble and be able to pivot? Yeah. With the market especially, right? Like, 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 what if we just, what if the future is, like Al was maybe suggesting was, oh, now all the houses are going to go to like a thousand square feet. Well, that means it's le- it costs less to build them. Therefore, like the design fees got to be less. It just, it's all simpler. Yep. You're not doing as much crazy bump outs, custom things, blah, blah, blah. Nailing it. Number eight, reduce burnout. Autonomy acts as a shield against burnout. Very important. Uh, employees that have control over their workload priorities and p- pace find balance. They have the power to set boundaries, take breaks when needed, and align their work with their energy levels. Number nine, attraction and retention of top talent. An autonomous company culture is a magnet for top talent. In a world where 
Talented individuals seek meaningful work and a sense of purpose. Autonomy stands out. The, the, the biggest challenge to get there with all of these, which they're all 100% true, is, minus the jam band part, is uh, it, if you want, it, like, this is a challenge to any employers who are looking to make that first hire, even their second hire, just expand. If you, if you don't, if you can't get comfortable giving people autonomy, but then, then you got to ask yourself, like, why? Why am I not comfortable with it, right? Is it because I don't have the systems in place, like RocketChip.com? You know, yeah. is it because I haven't taken Al's business course, build a better Yeah, code? so you don't know the KPIs, you don't know how to get people on the same page, you don't know how to build that culture. Yep. Yeah. So that's what we got for today. Uh, take us. Should I take us out, Al? Who's taking us out? Me? Take us out. All right, if you like this episode, you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe. Jason Altman is the MVP, by the way. Keep commenting on the YouTube. We really appreciate your support. You pump us up in the algorithm. And if you're listening on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next week.